Hey, I'm Dr. Judy, and welcome to Supercharged Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment, and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. Do you wanna reach that optimal state of consciousness where you feel your best and perform your best? And here's the kicker, this secret doesn't cost a thing. You're in luck today because we're gonna talk about how you can get into a flow state, achieve peak performance, and supercharge creativity. These days, one thing is absolutely clear. People are feeling anxious and stressed out. My clients, my family, and my friends are telling me all the time that they're looking for ways to get themselves to a happier and more productive state. So I did some digging and found a brand new cutting edge research study that says practicing something called flow can be the key to boosting your well-being during the pandemic. Flow is not a new concept, but this new research about how flow can help us right now during the pandemic is so exciting. According to the research, those who engaged in flow activities during quarantine reported more positive emotions, less severe depression and anxiety symptoms, less loneliness, more healthy behaviors, fewer unhealthy habits, and a surge in motivation and productivity. Who doesn't want those outcomes? So this incredible discovery inspired me to do the episode I'm doing today. If you want to achieve absolute focus, clarity and thought, feelings of happiness and joy, and that much needed endorphin and dopamine boost, and if you want to clear away your stress and worry and self-doubt, then you need to harness the power of flow. Today, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about it, answer listener questions about all things flow, and give you tips on maximizing flow to improve your life this very minute. Now, what exactly is flow? Flow is a big deal. Researchers credit flow with most athletic gold medals and world championships, major scientific breakthroughs, and significant progress in the arts. But this might only be the very beginning of the revolution. University of Chicago psychologist, and here I'm going to butcher his name, but it's Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. He is the originator of the concept of flow. In the 1970s, the psychologist embarked upon what would soon become one of the most impactful and largest psychological surveys ever. He ran around the world asking people about the times in their life when they felt their best and performed their best. And guess what? Everyone he spoke to, regardless of culture, class, gender, age, or level of modernization, felt and performed their best when they were experiencing the state that he later named flow. And psychologist Mahali chose this term because when interviewing research subjects, flow was the word that kept popping up. In the state, every action, every decision led seamlessly and fluidly to the next. So in other words, flow actually does feel flowy. And here's why flow is something we really need to pursue. There is this huge move to achieve more happiness, but when we're just chasing happiness, that type of happiness doesn't actually last very long. Rather, the happiness 
as a byproduct of doing the things that we really find meaningful and joyful is what leads to the eternal feeling of happiness in your life. And this is why it's so important to tap into this amazing process. Now, flow state isn't just about you feeling good in the moment. It actually changes your brain. What we find in brain studies is that when you're in this flow state, the judgmental part of yourself, that inner critic that sometimes has that negative thought process, it completely turns off. It's incredible what happens. It leaves you more room to be flexible in your thinking, come up with creative ideas, and again, do all of this without judging yourself. Plus, there is what we call the so-called flow cocktail. These are the feel-good chemicals in your brain, like endorphins and serotonin and dopamine that increases when you're in a flow state. And that's why flow is so cool. I am such a nerd for this type of neuroimaging studies, and I also feel like it gives you that proof that something's really working. So there is a recipe of how to achieve flow, and there's really three things to watch out for. So the first ingredient is that the activity you choose should have some type of goal. That adds direction and structure to the task that you're doing. Second ingredient is that this activity should give you some immediate feedback. It should give you information so that you can adjust the task, maybe amp up the difficulty or take it more laid back, whatever you feel is more enjoyable in that moment. And finally, there should be a good balance between the challenge of the task and your own perceived skills. And people generally say that they have reached flow when they find that perfect balance where something is challenging and they feel like they can do it, but it's not so challenging that it causes them anxiety instead of this relaxation and a surge of creativity and joy. So that's the recipe on how to achieve flow. And I got so many great questions this week on social media. When I put this topic up, I got a lot of people saying, I know what flow is, but I don't know how to do it. And then I've also gotten people saying, wow, this is something that new that I've never heard of, but how do I actually make it work in my life? So I want to get to some of these questions now and to help me out, my awesome producer, Stephanie, and my amazing sound engineer, Jackson, are going to ask the questions. And I really hope that some of these questions get at your deepest curiosities about how to make this work for yourself. Cause really it's much easier than you think. So what's our first question? Great. Okay. So Dr. Judy, the first question is from Veronica on Facebook and Veronica says, I'd love to explore this idea of flow, but with my husband and kids now home during the day, I really don't have much time alone. Can I still do this? Great question, Veronica. And I feel like everybody's life right now is sharing a smaller space with more and more people. And also your time just feels like it's going by really quickly. And before you know it, it's already the evening. And I totally understand what Veronica is saying here. So I think the most important tip is to find a time of day that you are least likely to be interrupted and then schedule your flow activities in chunks. Of course, it would be ideal if you just had an hour where you could do whatever you wanted, but that's not necessarily possible for all of us and not 
necessarily every single day. So even if you can only do something for 10, 15 minutes, think about scheduling them in chunks, maybe two to three chunks throughout the day. And during times in which you probably have a little bit more access to that alone time for a lot of parents that tends to be first thing in the morning, that tends to be really early. They get up 15 or 20 minutes earlier than they might've originally, and they use that time to do a flow activity. Now that feels like commitment because you'll get a little less sleep, but trust me, if you plan ahead and you use this technique, it's really going to help you. And plus it starts off your day in such a wonderful way. It's a mindfulness activity and a mood booster all in one. So good luck with that, Veronica. What's the next question? Nikki on Instagram asks, what are some activities that are likely to put me in a flow state? I don't even know where to start. It's a good question because I think we hear this concept of flow and we're thinking, what's the magic? And the funny thing is the magic is so simple. It can be some of the easiest things and some of the most practical things that we probably already do from time to time. So some of the activities that are most likely to put you in a state of flow is creative writing, even doing the dishes, doodling, walking, jogging, cleaning, sewing, meditating, engaging in an old or new hobby, playing or listening to music, playing video games, participating in sports or any form of exercise and giving yourself some education and reading and e-learning. So all of those types of things can put you into flow if you attack it in the right way. And I think the most important thing to remember when you're taking these activities on is that you set aside a time where you can have a little bit of control over your space and the fact that you'll be able to do it uninterrupted, even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes. And really thinking about this as an activity that you should do with singular attention. So don't be, for example, washing the dishes and also making a to-do list in your head. And don't be walking at the same time that you're talking on the phone. Tackle them one at a time. That's a very important concept of achieving flow, which is focusing on one activity. And that only activity should be the one that really takes your attention and your concentration. If you find that your mind wanders during the flow activity, just gently guide it back to the activity without judging yourself. And pretty soon you'll get into that flow state. Great. Okay. The next question is from Beatrice on Facebook. She says, flow sounds like some kind of mindfulness thing. I'm very bad with mindfulness and especially meditation. Is it the same? Beatrice, I feel you because I'm very bad with meditation too. And it's a skill that I have to continue to hone and not very successfully, I might add. So I think when you're a really active person, which sounds like you might be, um, flow is like meditation for active and sort of fidgety people. If you're somebody who has trouble sitting down and thinking about meditation would be overwhelming for you. Flow is great because flow is all about being active, but still getting into a meditative state. And again, I'm going to nerd out a little bit on these brain studies. It actually shows that when people are in a state of flow, their brain looks very similar to the individuals who are meditating where they're sitting and being quietly meditating. And that's a really similar sort of effect on your brain that I think is really important to to think about, because if you can't do it through meditation by sitting, then you can do it through flow activities. And so again, there is so much 
flexibility as to what can bring you flow. And I will say that for me, one of the activities that brings me into the state of flow is actually running. So you might not think that that's a flowy activity, but it absolutely is. And think about how much activity you're actually doing when you're running. And yet it does bring me into a state of flow. And if you talk to other people who exercise regularly, or even people who are athletes, they will say the same thing about their form of exercise, whatever that is at that often that is what gets them into flow. So don't worry if you're not somebody who can sit down and meditate because I am with you and there's an alternate way. Perfect. Jason on Twitter asks, I have ADHD. Can I use flow to avoid procrastination and disorganization? Definitely. So Jason, ADHD is a condition that probably somewhere between seven to 8% of people struggle with. And of course, there's maybe more people who just have subclinical attentional difficulties. And one of the things that is the most difficult for individuals who have ADHD is that they have a hard time getting started, especially with tasks that feel boring or long. And also it can be hard to get organized. They don't know exactly what to do first. And then sometimes thinking about all the steps will overwhelm them. And people with ADHD are really bright. Usually it's just that they have these sort of organizational issues and also some issues with getting started with the things that they need to do. And flow can absolutely help with this. And one of the things that is so great about flow is that it really organizes your brain by having you focus on just one thing. So you can use flow at work all the time. You can start by thinking about the first and most important project that you need to do for the day. Set an alarm for 25 minutes, which is also called a Pomodoro and then only focus on that task without thinking about all the steps that have to come next. If you go there, it can feel much more overwhelming to you in your brain. So just decide what is the most important thing I need to accomplish today. Take that task, set your timer for 25 minutes, and then dedicate yourself to only working on that task for that entire duration of time. Even for people with ADHD and even with people who don't really uh, have a easy time with starting tasks that feel difficult or boring. 25 minutes is that sort of nice sweet spot that almost everybody can say, I can do this for 25 minutes, even if it's not my favorite thing. And what's really amazing is when you start to do this task. And even if you didn't like it at first, going through it and tackling it and getting it to a better place by the end of those 25 minutes, really boost your confidence. And even that can make you feel like you're in flow. Flow can also be triggered by a sense of confidence, by a sense of getting things done. And so you can absolutely sometimes experience flow even in things that you didn't think you would enjoy when you first started. Great, okay. The next question is from Will on Instagram. I'm feeling so much worry and stress right now. How can I use flow to reduce my anxiety? I feel like a lot of people are in that kind of state. So this would be really helpful. Absolutely. And I think that right now we're feeling the effects of long-term pandemic fatigue. We're feeling the chronic difficulties that come from political stress. And there's a lot that feels like it's out of our control. And that is really the key. That's the common thread or theme when people say that they're feeling additional worry and stress. Our brains are not meant to be in fight or flight for this long. 
So flow is a wonderful technique to help reduce your anxiety because it takes your mind off of the focus on the negative. Did you know that the human brain generally tends to focus on the negative? Obviously, this is a spectrum and some people can have this trait a bit more than others. But in general, it's a protective and evolutionary mechanism of human beings that they tend to watch out for negative cues in their environment because they want to make sure they can survive it. And what flow does is it helps to quiet the mind by focusing attention and calming these emotional interferences like anxiety. There is a lot that we can't control right now, but there's also some things that we can control. And flow is something that helps to redirect your attention towards the things that you can do to feel better. And just to take your mind off of the stress that for the most part, you can't solve some of those problems related to that stress right now. So flow gives you a break from that fight or flight and switches your body into the parasympathetic nervous system, what I like to call the rest and restore system, where your body and mind actually get a chance to take a breath and to look around you and enjoy the moment that you have, the fact that you're alive and the goodness of what's around you at this present moment. So you can definitely use flow to reduce your anxiety. And I would say that for you, if there's a lot of worry and stress, then think about some hobbies that you've always wanted to try, make a list of them, and just start going through the list anytime you have another 15, 20 minutes in your day to maybe do some of these activities and really experience that joy for yourself. Great. I think in addition to the anxiety and everything that's been going on, I feel like we also miss that sense of community. And I think Alonzo on Instagram asked a good question. Can I get into flow with other people like my wife or kids, or is this more of an individual thing? You can definitely get into flow with other people. And you're so right, Jackson, that right now people are just missing that sense of community. And we all need stronger community and relationship bonds because it's part of being human. I don't care if you say that you're an introvert or you don't like people that much. I mean, every single person does need some sense of belonging and you can absolutely get into flow with other people. Team sports is a great example of this. Even playing a board game together, playing Pictionary, playing Cranium, that can get people into flow. I think the most important thing about flow is that it's something that feels active. So sometimes when we want to relax, what do we do? Well, come on, family, let's put on Netflix and watch a movie. I'm not saying that that's not enjoyable. And of course, there's value in that as well. But flow requires you to be more active in the moment. And so that's something that is helpful to think about when you're considering what types of activities you want to add to the mix. So playing board games, doing a team sport, solving a jigsaw puzzle together, playing music together. I have a lot of musical friends and they've taken up and created little bands within their own families where people just pick up instruments around the house. And even if you're not really skilled at it. You're just having a fun time creating music with the people that you love. So those are just some ideas to get started. Of course, there are many more. The key is that you do something active with a common goal with those people that you are trying to get into a flow state with. 
Great. Okay. So Peter on Instagram says, I am doing a lot of back-to-back Zoom calls and I find myself very distracted. Can I use concepts like flow to get more engaged? This is such a great question because I think right now there are so many people whose lives are just confined to their home offices, being on back-to-back Zoom calls. I myself am seeing all my patients in a socially distanced way, which means that I'm doing a lot of that. Plus I'm teaching online because our university is not doing in-person classes. And I think that my students are feeling the same way. They're on Zoom six to seven hours a day taking classes. And so I think part of the issue when we are made to sit in front of a computer for this long is that your body is not active and the human body is meant to be in motion. And also there's this very performative aspect of being on Zoom where you feel like people are watching you all the time. And even if you're not in charge of a meeting, it feels like anytime you sip water or move or eat a snack that everybody is just watching you. And so it exhaust people a lot more because they feel like that self-presentational aspect is always on. And that's why they get exhausted at the end of the day. And plus, it really does wreak havoc on our conversations and how we talk to people. I think that people are starting to disengage more also even on these Zoom calls and meetings. And I find that the engagement is less and less as we get deeper and deeper into the pandemic. So all of that is to say that there is a concept related to flow that can help with this. And the psychologist who came up with flow, psychologist Mihaly, described microflow activities that you can use to keep yourself engaged during dull and boring meetings or lectures and any other kind of boring situations, really. So here are some of the ideas. While you're listening to the lecture or to somebody else talk, doodle on a notepad. Count how many times a person uses a particular word. Take notes in different color pens. Practice pen tricks like spinning your pen or using a fidget spinner. All of these things can get you into flow because they're repetitive and they have that sort of flow idea, that flow theme where it can help to focus your attention, but also give you just enough distraction that you can actually still focus on what's being said and retain it. So All of these types of activities can really, really, really help. And it doesn't take away or detract from the actually very important takeaways that you need to be thinking about at these meetings and these classes. Perfect. Sarah on Instagram says, I'm too burned out from the day to try flow. Any tips? Great question. And I think most of us are thinking, okay, at the end of the day, that's where I get to do something fun for myself. Unfortunately, by the end of the day, you're so exhausted that the only thing you're doing is maybe crashing into bed early or passively watching movies. Because again, that feels like it takes a lot less energy. But as we mentioned, that doesn't get you into a state of flow. Flow needs to be active. So I think a couple of tips start early in the morning. Veronica had that same question about when could I make time for this? And really, I think the early morning is probably the best bet. And if you have to wake up a bit earlier for that, I would encourage it because you are going to get so much benefit out of this, even if it's just an extra 15 to 20 minutes early that you will commit to this structure and this type of routine, especially as you start to experience all of the wonderful outcomes that come from it. I also think that it can be helpful to build it into something else you already do every day. So if there's something that you always do, 
that has a flowy quality to it. As I mentioned, exercise and walks is a big part of that. If you already journal and that's part of your daily practice, that's another way to build flow into journaling. And if you're going to use flow in journaling, it's really about free writing without judging yourself. So for example, give yourself three minutes just to get all your thoughts on the page. And that will create sort of a flow concept or a flow process. You can also think about flow when we do anything that has a level of repetition, but also some challenge. So for some people that could be things like knitting or arts and crafts or even coloring. So something that feels accessible maybe is already built into your day and starting early in the morning would be my best tips to avoid not doing flow activities because you're too burnt out. I loved all of these questions today, and I really hope that my answers have helped you understand a bit more about what flow is and how you can tackle it in your life, no matter what the challenges might be that come up that maybe prevented you from trying flow before if you knew about it, or maybe there were obstacles that you thought of as soon as you heard about the topic of this episode. Wow, I don't have time for this. Well, everybody can have time for it. And I am now ready to share my five tips of how you can get into flow every single day to improve your life, to feel better, and to be more creative every single day. The first tip is to commit to practicing flow daily. Start small and take advantage of every opportunity. Like anything, practice matters. So create a ritual. Start early in the morning, make it one of the first things you do or build it into your morning routine. Or if you know that you're going to have that 15 to 20 minute break in the middle of the day from work, make that your time to commit to a flow activity. Again, this is not rocket science. A lot of flow activities are very basic. We ran through some of these earlier in this episode. They could be anything like running to doodling, to reading, to doing a jigsaw puzzle, to even cleaning. Yes, cleaning can get you into a state of flow. Doing the laundry even. I was in a state of flow yesterday doing laundry, unbelievably. So don't be afraid to try some things that you already do every day and just think about these concepts of flow and how you can integrate them into your life. The second tip is to use Pomodoros. I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but it deserves a bit more of a discussion because it's really helpful for people who think that they're too busy or too overwhelmed to add something back into their day. A Pomodoro is a productivity and motivational technique. It's been around for ages and it's very simple. It's just about setting your timer for 25 minutes, doing that one activity and that one activity only when the timer goes off take a five minute break, and then you start another Pomodoro. After every three to four Pomodoros, you take a longer break, perhaps a 30 or 45 minute break. Not only is this an amazing tip for productivity and a great work habit, it can also be utilized to help you get into a flow activity every day, even if you don't have a lot of time. Think of it as your 25 minutes a day of self-care. So set the timer for 25 minutes and think about something that 
you might enjoy doing during that time. And it can be different every day. One day it could be a hobby. One day it could be finally getting around to reading something that you've been wanting to read, but haven't had time. And it's really not about how far you get into it. It's really just about committing that time and setting it aside. And by the way, if you want to use reading as a flow activity, it can't be passive. So you have to actively take notes or draw on the margins. That's what makes something akin to a flow process. So you do need to be active in some way, but think of all the fun things that you can do that you haven't done in a long time and add them to a flow activity list. And every day set your timer for 25 minutes and pick something off of that list and do it. The third tip is work at your BPT. This is your biological peak time. This is a time of day when you have the most energy and therefore the greatest potential to be productive. For everybody, this is different, but for the majority of human beings, it tends to be early in the morning, the first two hours of the day. But I know that there's some night owls out there. And of course, everybody is unique and different. So the best thing to do is to actually just take a few days and chart your energy throughout the day. It's a lot easier than it sounds. Every two to three hours, just check in with yourself and ask yourself, how is my energy on a scale of one to five? Five being the highest level of energy, one being the lowest. And you can just chart this quickly on a notepad or maybe in the notes section of your phone. After a few days, you're going to start to get an idea. Oh, I'm most energetic around 12 noon or, oh, I'm actually most energetic after dinner around eight or 9 PM. Whatever that time is, once you've done the self-assessment, schedule your flow activities during your biological prime time. The biological prime time gives you that sense of excitement. It gives you that renewed sense of energy that oftentimes will help you to get into flow in a much easier way. So you can combine this with a second tip. You can find your biological peak time and then set a Pomodoro for 25 minutes pick an activity off the list and do that activity for the day. And I think it's also important that you rate your enjoyment of the activity. If something does not bring you flow or happiness or joy, don't do it again. One of those things for me, by the way, guys, is yoga. I think I talked about this before, but it is hard for me to do yoga and to actually get into flow. It's the one form of exercise that I definitely have trouble with. And it's not something that brings me flow. So I'll do other things like running, for example, or playing tennis. Those types of things tend to bring me into flow a lot easier. The fourth tip is to focus on one single activity at a time with no multitasking. Flow is so dependent on pursuing a single task with laser focus. So multitasking is its enemy and opposite. Multitasking has been touted as some skill that we should all have. And yet multitasking isn't what it seems to be. More and more research shows that our brains don't actually function that way. We really can only focus on one task at a time. So what we call multitasking is actually just very quick task switching, but that comes with what we call a cognitive switching penalty. So essentially every time you switch from one task to another, it takes your brain time to get back into the previous task you were doing. So overall it actually costs you more time and energy and you feel more drained after a session of crazy multitasking than if you were just to focus on one thing at a time. So just make sure that you're committed to doing that one thing only with no multitasking. Plus, did you know that focusing on only one thing at a time just makes you enjoy it more already? So that's double enjoyment. You're going to get that flow enjoyment and you're going to get that singular activity enjoyment as well. 
My final tip today is to pick the right task. To get into flow, you need to find a task that gives you that challenge skill balance. Many things that we seek out in our leisure time, like watching TV, don't really provide us access to the flow state. Instead, tasks that are likely to encourage flow tend to have higher consequences, things like more performative, possibly things even like public speaking, rock climbing, but obviously those are a bit more extraordinary on a daily basis. It could just be things like doing a brain teaser, doing a Sudoku and other things that challenge you just a little bit, but you also believe that you have the skill level to do it and to do it in an enjoyable way. So just remember to think about the task as something that's active, that gives you a sense of challenge, but also something that you feel like you could get pretty good at if you worked at it. And that's really the most important ingredients for flow that you find an activity that hits that sweet spot. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Supercharged Life Podcast with me. And if you like the show and want to learn more, follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. Remember to subscribe, download, and tell your friends. And take a moment to leave a review. It'll mean so much to me. Remember, if you have a question you want answered on this podcast, send me a message on Instagram and I will try as best as I can to get to them in the next few weeks. If you want to stay anonymous, there's also a link at the bottom of the show notes where you can submit your question anonymously for me to answer on a future podcast episode. I'm Dr. Judy and remember, anytime is a great time to supercharge your life. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical, psychological, or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For medical, psychological, or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician, a psychologist, or other trained professional. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.